Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls, and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close... You can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls because I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give them the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like them. I just have Yanni use his. Then I don't have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today. You're listening to another Big Buck Breakdown from the Element Podcast. What's happening, all my woods people? We are bringing the big buck breakdowns back out, and thanks to Exodus Gear, we have been able to do that again. We've had a lot of fun in the past doing these things the last couple of years, getting the stories from some of our friends. And uh, Casey, you've had some dealings with some Exodus trail cameras recently, huh? I have, man. I went out on a public piece uh, opening day, actually, and uh, pulled, a, pulled a card out of a cheaper camera out there that, uh, man... I had a pretty good buck on, but mm-hmm. the exposures were terrible. A lot of butt pictures, you know. Man, There's that was frustrating. Nothing worse than a big buck butt. The <laughs> BBB. BBB, but not the breakdown, the butt <laughs> yeah. on a trail camera. Dude, um, we had that happen several times on that on that actual camera, and I was like, man, these cameras. We bought right. several of them, and, we were, and Casey was like, uh, they're not good. And I was like, yeah, you're right. No, um, they Exposure is a big deal. It doesn't get talked about, though. I know. And I feel like uh, we were looking through just a second ago. Um, uh, you pulled one on your property. Uh, that's an Exodus track, and that camera's exposure seems to really always kind of be on point. Oh, yeah, man. Right. And even like uh, what, every trail camera kind of switches over to black and white, you know, in the evening time or whatever. And even like that really difficult time period of right when that switch happens, they still have like crisp, cl- clear images, you know, sure. of that black and white. So uh, that one of the other neat things is that like the infrared um I guess spread. Yeah. It's kind of a rhyme, but sure, it's, sure. it's way better. It's not like you have this little bright spot in the middle of a dark photo. Yeah. Like the whole thing is illuminated mm-hmm. and it's, it's real nice, man. Yeah. So, uh, I do enjoy using those exoduses, uh, when we can. We've got a shooter on both those cameras though. We so do. 
that's pretty exciting. Woo-hoo! It's pretty exciting. That's right, man. Um, I'm excited about Whitetail. We just got back from you know the elk hunt, the Gila trip. Uh, that's actually going to drop tonight. Yeah. I think the first part of that. Or, mm-hmm. So we're pretty stoked about that. But uh, I've been texting you about cold fronts and Whitetail <laughs> stuff and gas station pizza and all kinds Dude, of stuff. I know. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. It's funny because that pizza is actually something that's really good. I feel like like yeah. for for. It being from a gas station, it's pretty good pizza. Oh. Or maybe it's just that I'm really cold at the time. I, I think, know. dude, if it's 20 degrees outside, Anything. a hot piece of pizza is so good. Yeah, but, it uh, is. Today, um, actually, we get to talk some whitetail. Yeah. We have uh, Patrick Mateen, who's been on the show before. Um, he killed a really great early season buck up in his home state of Idaho, which is a really neat thing, man. It's just there's this line across the country where I don't think about whitetails crossing and Idaho is way on the other side of that line. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like moose and bears and stuff like that. Yeah. When you think about that, yeah, which dude. I was in Idaho and saw a bear this summer. So that's what's crazy is like right now there's probably a grizzly eating a whitetail in Idaho. It's weird. That's nuts. That's weird. Yeah, <laughs> At least sure. it's not me, right? <laughs> yeah. No yeah. kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, uh, the, he'll be on the podcast talking about the, the, his deer, but I am getting pretty stoked about things because we've got cold front coming in and I've been so just like um just kind of out of it because since we got back I played a couple shows and the the last couple of days have just been outrageous as far as trying to put the elk film together getting other things in line I'm actually starting a podcast with my church as well so things are just like really buzzing right now and I'm trying to get it all wrapped up so I can just at least look at the weather you know what I mean <laughs> like it is hunting season and I have not been uh, I have not actually been hunting yet, except for, I guess I did go in Nebraska, but, uh, you know, like it's hunting season here locally, which is a big deal for us and has been for a long time traditionally. So I'm pretty excited about it. I think when this cold front hits, Casey and I are going to try to figure out which big buck is the one that's going to be our target for the day. And we're going to head after one or two of them and, and, uh, try to make that happen. So hopefully we can bring you a big buck breakdown that is personal at some point pretty soon. But until then... We will have to suffice with a little bit of Patrick Mateen. And so uh, let's get him on right now. Sounds good. All right. So now on the phone, we have Patrick Mateen. He's an outdoor rider. What's happening, dude? Oh, just back from um, elk hunting and playing catch up now. Yeah. But, uh, October 1, and I'm already burning firewood here. Wow. No, this is this is not something I need to hear about right now. <laughs> it's like 100 here in Texas. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm hearing from my buddies down in Texas. It's, um, boy, it really cooled off here in the last couple of weeks. I mean, it snowed up in the higher elevations. So that's what I heard. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's like uh, 40 now or something like that. Oh, my. It's outrageous, man. It's. Uh, I mean, we literally... We're coming back from the Gila wilderness where it wasn't it wasn't cold by any means. It was, you know, mountain weather. But uh, uh, we were coming back and people, I guess, are getting snow in Montana and up there where you're at. And and we're like looking at the, the thermometer on the truck. It says 101. And it's just <laughs> it's a it's a it's a different world. You know what I mean? It's completely different. We could have used a little bit more of that. We just had to rip up the whole garden up. Big boxes full of green tomatoes all over the kitchen. So, well, I know a sandwich that probably needs one of them things. <laughs> <laughs> Fry them up southern style, man. That's yep. that's the best. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool, man. So you've had uh, you've already had some luck, man. I guess you could call it luck. I don't know. You might call it skill um, with a big buck, and that's the point of this this particular podcast. 
Um, tell us a little bit about it because Casey and I, um, like we talked about off air earlier, we don't know a whole lot about it. We just saw pictures, man, and it looked like there's a pretty interesting story to go behind it. Well, you know, the, the cool part about living up here, not only do you have the elk and the bear and turkeys and all that, but we have whitetail. So it's a uh, Really, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot more fun to hunt whitetails out of your own backyard than even to travel to, like, Iowa or Kansas. I mean, where you're going to kill a bigger buck. But, I mean, it's just fun to hunt whitetails in your backyard. But here, our season opens the 30th of August. So it's one of the best opportunities in the country here in northern Idaho to kill a velvet buck, which, um, saying that, that seems to be kind of my jinx. I cannot <laughs> seem to get it done. I mean, I've passed up some nice velvet bucks, you know, because I've always had some target bucks in mind. But so, anyways, that's you, the whole month of September is, is deer and elk season, bear, turkey. But I usually concentrate the first week at least on um, hunting whitetail, hunting um, velvet bucks. And they're Early on, they're really predictable. I mean, well, as far as white mountain whitetails go, in particular, mm-hmm. they're uh, you know they're on food, they're um, in bachelor groups, they're moving in the daylight, and um, kind of a strange year. This year, I had a couple of really really nice target bucks. One was um, a five by five with some stickers that probably scored one fifty five ish, and then there was another wow. really big four by four that probably scored you know, 145 ish or so wow and um i hunted oh, a couple of times that's about that spot's about an hour away i hunted over there two or three times and then this buck's just vanished it seems like um i don't know what happened i know that the farmer did cut some firewood up there uh maybe that bumped them but you know that seems a little too sensitive these bucks here are super super wary but i don't know firewood that doesn't seem like you know normal farmer activities so i don't know maybe i it's possible i bumped them on the way in one morning or something because <laughs> i was i'm getting into my stand by four and then sitting in the dark mm-hmm. for, for an hour but uh, you know it, we have really long days here up north mm-hmm. But, uh, mm-hmm. so anyways i had a bucket home around home i should say or close to home and um it's funny we have we seem to have two different sets of genetics here they're kind of in in patches and down here closer to where i live the deer down here are a little more stunted it's almost like they're a different species i mean they're smaller bodied they're smaller antlered mm-hmm. just to get the the um you know the bucks up on top that i hunt you know hour away or you know, 250 pound bodies. And, you know, I just, I get 160s, 170s on my camera down here, uh, you know, like 175 inch bucks, a big mature buck and don't see many bucks over 140 down here. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, whitetail hunting is whitetail hunting. It's all fun. Oh yeah. So, so I had had this big buck on camera down here, fairly predictable, but I didn't really hunt him because I was after those other guys. And then, um, so I came back down here and checked cameras, and he had become very sporadic as well. And I know he wasn't bumped, so I don't know, just something strange about the weather. I know that we're definitely cooler sooner this year. They stripped their velvet a lot earlier this year, so I don't know what that means. I don't know if we're going to have an early rut, or mm-hmm. maybe it's going to snow in two weeks, and like serious snow, it's hard to say, but... Um, Anyway, so I kind of 
kind of just buck around home a little bit kind of half-heartedly because he wasn't really very predictable. And, um, oh, it got pretty late in the program. I was waiting for the buddy to show up to go elk hunting. He ended up getting busy and not showing up. And I was actually hunting deer a lot later than I normally would have. And um, I checked some cameras, and I heard an elk showed up on one of my apple tree stands. So I thought, well, I'll go sit and maybe kill an elk. <laughs> and um, so I got in stand that morning, and quite a few does and little bucks came in. There's there's a there's a bench with a spring and a couple of wild apple trees growing out of it. I just found this place this year, so um, kind of a, a new spot, really nice spot. And uh, wasn't sure how the wind was going to work in there. Those benches sometimes get swirly, but this one seems to work really well. I haven't had any deer smell me, but anyways, fairly late in the morning, about seven thirty-eight, a couple does came strolling in, and and then I saw a big-bodied, really gray deer. Every you know, all the rest of the deer were kind of red and still, and mm-hmm. real big-bodied gray deer. And I said, "That's got to be a buck." And he came out into the open, and, and there was, you know, the biggest biggest buck I have on camera down down here close to the house. Thought this is all on public land too, so. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's coming in from the wrong direction. I thought, man, he's gonna smell me for sure. And then another buck came in behind him. Another smaller buck came in behind him, and pretty soon I'm just covered up with deer. There's six or seven deer, literally right under me. And no shooting lanes that direction. I thought, well, this is this is never going to work. It's going to blow <laughs> up. The wind's wrong. There's no shooting lanes. This buck that I ended up shooting is only about 20 yards away at this point, but I can't shoot. And um, some does got right underneath me because there's a plum tree there. I mean, literally, I had to cut branches off the top of it to get my stand in there. <laughs> and um, they're eating those plums and directly under me and then all of a sudden one of the toes ran out stomping and kind of acting snorty and I thought all right here we go this is it and but no one ran off which is really surprising our, our deer here in northern idaho because of the wolves and mountain lions and they're they're super super spooky you know mm-hmm. they don't if your stand creaks or your bow makes a noise drawing they're they're not gonna run off and stop and look they're just gonna run right and um, I thought, well, this is it. This is about to blow up. And, and then that, when she ran out, the big buck moved over a little ways, about three steps. And there was the smallest little hole through this big bunch of, and it was more plums. I mean, like a fist-sized hole. And I said, ah, I can get an arrow through that. At this point, he's only about 18 yards. So I thought, well, see if I can get my bow drawn. That's always the big challenge up here. Draw mm-hmm. my through my bow. I heard one of the does kind of stomp off. My buck was watching her hit full draw and put the pin on him and triggered it and whack. He's <laughs> kind of quartering towards me a little bit, and um, but you know it's. When he ran off, his his front leg was kind of flopping funny, so I knew I'd hit him in the shoulder, but um, I could see blood coming out of him already. And he just had that look. I mean, I could mm-hmm. tell he was dead on his feet. But, um, you know, there was a day when shoulders were just to be avoided at all costs, but 
you know, nowadays with, with the energy that we're all shooting and mm-hmm. the equipment has gotten so much better. The um, I know that as bows have gotten faster and faster, all I have done is I just keep adopting heavier and heavier arrows instead of not really maintaining old speed because even with the heavier arrows, they're still faster, but I just keep adopting heavier and heavier arrows and then, you know, one piece steel broadheads. We can't use mechanicals here. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, what broadhead are you using? Well, actually, that one wasn't steel. It was the new Masakia <laughs> broadhead. The, um, uh, Johnny Masaki, I used to own, um, well, he was partners in Muzzy. Okay. And, um, so he brought back a design that um, looks like a Muzzy, but a lot of improvement, a harder stainless steel tip. The, um, he uh, modernized the uh, profile so it flies better, faster cool. speed. And, and a um, 70-75 um, aluminum ferrule instead of a 60-65. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of cool improvements. <laughs> Yeah. Did, it, um, did that arrow actually pass through uh, the shoulder and out the other right side? Through. So, you know, the deer ran off. And of course, you can make a double lung shot and see it go double lung, but you're always nervous waiting, you know? Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> but I started glassing and I found my arrow through the binoculars and it's just, you know, head to toe blood. So now you're like, oh, yeah, I got him. I got him. Like, no, don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, he went. He went around the corner about fifty yards, and piled up. So he was he was dead on his feet. So cool. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. And he's a he's a great buck for sure. And it's cool to that you've kind of built that history with him and stuff. And we've talked to you in the past. You're on episode sixty nine, which is way back there for us. Um, uh, and we talked a lot about you know deer hunting in the real world and kind of how you have to hunt whitetails there and and you know kind of some of the, the intricacies about that and. Uh, you actually use trail cameras a lot more than uh, what I would have expected someone who is, you know, quote, unquote, unquote Western. Um, how long have you known about this buck and, you know, how long have you been strategizing f- for him? Oh, I've got pictures of him when he was nubs. Oh, cool. So, uh, oh, that is cool. How can you identify him that a, far back? I've got, well, you know, there's only so many mature bucks, you know, because yeah. I'd say in the entire area that I'm hunting, there's only five or six mature bucks i mean talking like four by fours that might score from 110 up so i mean deer that are past three and a half and that was one of the things that kind of surprised me about this buck is um you know on camera you know you try to age him on the hoof you know i was thinking he was like four and a half years old and um when I got his jaw out, I, man, he's older than I thought. He's he's um, five and a half, maybe six and a half. He's um, cool. He's, uh, he's been around a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I probably, if I studied hard enough, I probably have pictures of him from last year. Maybe. You know, it's hard to say. This mountain country, sometimes you don't get your bucks back. Um, I know my higher area, we never get the same deer back year to year. They have to migrate completely out of there because of the snow accumulation. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's really rare to get to hunt the same buck yeah. one year to the next. But down here, a little lower, uh, more common to get the same bucks back. Although, <laughs> like the two biggest bucks I had, you know, in this area last year, I haven't gotten back this year. I don't know where they went. Of course, you never know. They could have been shot by a rifle hunter or 
or a mountain lion could have gotten them during the winter. So yeah, sure, yeah, for sure. So you mentioned something else that I thought was pretty intriguing. Uh, it's just kind of what you might call common whitetail knowledge that whenever it's hot or early season that you're really hunting more evenings. But you said this was in the morning, right? Is that something that you kind of yeah, pattern the deer know, on? It's I have I have much much better luck in the mornings because. Um, and that's just kind of a coincidence of the winds that I need yeah. for a particular stance. I know my best stand up on top, which um, uh, is like, it's really ancient old apple tree. Just one single apple tree out on the, on the tip of this ridge. Kind Did of Johnny plant it? Yeah, I was wondering if Johnny planted that. Who knows where it came from? I mean, there's not a homestead there or anything. It may have been a cowboy threw an apple over his shoulder. That's know, cool. Years ago. That's cool. But um, that needs a, an east wind, and this this um, public land spot, which is just out of private land, but it is public. It's um, you know I need a particular wind, so those tend to happen in the morning. Um, whereas the evening, we're going to get the the predominant wind here straight out of the west, and. Um, that's typical all the way through the entire early season. Um, you know, the Pacific, the Pacific, um, influence, whereas winter, like November, it's a lot more common to get the, the Eastern winds out of Montana. That's where our colder weather comes from. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So the, um, in the pictures that I saw, there was a bike involved. How how much uh, involvement was that? And in uh, you know, I tell you that has been that has been a real fun experiment. Um, I did a couple different articles on on these e bikes, these mountain bikes with those little electric motors in them. Mm -hmm. And um, so, uh, backcountry backcountry bikes sent me one to play with. And um, I tell you what, it's really. Um, changed the way i hunt it's the these mountain stands are really hard to get in and out of just because of the you know you drive a four-wheeler into the head of a canyon and everything in the entire canyon knows you're there mm -hmm. and um so you tend to have to park pretty far back i mean i like my best stand in the farther area an hour away i've got to walk oh, a good mile and a half to get in there park around the corner of a, of a uh, ridge point and then walk down and then have to climb back up mm -hmm. and in november in particular it's just it's terrible you have all these big puppy clothes on and by the time you get in there you're sweating mm -hmm. but um these e-bikes are are um, absolutely quiet so and you know there may be a little misconception with these things i mean they're not motorcycles you don't just like tear in there you know on full power they're um really on the uphill poles in particular you really have to pedal to kind of assist it mm -hmm. um, i mean it'll 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 pull up a hill if you, you just give it full throttle but it pulls a lot of juice and it's, it's i think pretty hard on it but mm -hmm. if you pedal it really goes easy i mean you're not really not like you're doing all the work it's doing half the work so it's pretty easy but mm -hmm. um what it's allowed me to do is I just drive up to the farmer's house up, up there, throw the bike out of the truck, and then, um, you know, just coast on the downhill stuff and pedal on the uphill stuff. 
And it, instead of having to walk a mile and a half, I'm, I'm, um, you know, I'm parking within 300 yards of my stands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And That's then, nice. um, has like a nice little trailer that hooks on the back. Yeah. And, you know, that. there's other brands too, and they, they all have these cool accessories. So, you know, hanging stands has been real easy too, because, you know, I can tear it across a CRP field or, or clear cut and, and, um, Instead of having to walk a mile to set up a stand, I can pretty much drive right to it with the spike. Yeah. And, and silent, absolutely silently, not like a, you know, a four wheeler going in there, putting and making a lot of noise, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, pretty awesome. I, um, unfortunately the downside of this is they're fairly pricey. So, mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll have to give it back at some point. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. It, can't, it can't quite, I don't think wifey would quite um, buy that I need a, I don't know what these things cost, 3500 4000 bucks. Yeah. yeah, I think that's going to be in the ballpark there. Man, you could buy a cheap car to drive to different we hunt with <laughs> We hunt with a guy that has a bike, an um, electric bike, and um, he definitely has a different kind of job than we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, if, if you can't afford it or where you hunt like this logging country i mean we've got a lot of places well like my public land spot you drive the truck there and then there's a lock gate and obviously you can't take the truck in there but you can take um bikes and horses and a little four-wheeler it has to get you know between a, a particular gap that they make i think it's 50 inches and um like you can't take the side by side in there mm-hmm. but these bikes are great i mean you just throw it out of the truck and buzz right in yeah, and um, I, it's funny because I'm so used to getting up at certain times to get into certain stands, and because I like to get installed when it's black dark, and you know, take and strap in and take a little nap and let things settle down. And <laughs> with this bike, I mean, I'm getting there so early. I'm taking a long nap, not yeah. a short nap. <laughs> that's good, man. That's that's what you need so you can hunt. You can hunt effectively, right? So, yeah, I mean, God, if a guy can afford one, I mean, they really have their uses. I can see, like, on a Texas deer lease, um, where you're not, not going to have to drive around all over the place. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, or this logging country where there's all these lock gates or, you know, which I see, like, in, you know, Minnesota and Maine and places like that, too, where they have a lot of logging. But uh, just lots of uses. And I tell you what, what was really interesting, after I killed that buck, I gutted him ran home and and got the bike and went in there and loaded them on that trailer and take took them right out with the bike that's yeah, cool man that's cool yeah that's pretty handy for sure i know uh i, I thought yeah i don't know if this is gonna be viable you know i'm thinking it's gonna be jackknifing me going down the hills and, mm-hmm. them up the hills. and I, I, I it worked i mean i was kind of surprised that's yeah. awesome it man it's like a charm actually well you'll have to uh throw a calc on there this november whenever you go muzzle around and uh, <laughs> see if it'll handle that thing <laughs> yeah, an elk, yeah well yeah you could definitely quarter quarter an elk up and, and put it in game bags and wrap it in, in a tarp and you know um, bringing out that way i don't yeah. think any problem at all but, uh, well that's cool man that's you know that's a awesome story great tactics man and a great buck and congratulations on all that patrick and um you know for for the listener that might want to uh connect with you in, in a different way or read some more of your articles and that kind of thing what's the best way to 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 uh, get in touch with you 
Um, you know, Facebook. I'm on Facebook. And, um, you know, just Google my name. The latest stuff comes up. You know, I do a lot of stuff for Realtree.com. Um, mm-hmm. I'm the equipment editor at Inside Archery. That's more like a, a dealer magazine. Mm-hmm. But uh, all the latest and greatest in, um, in archery equipment. Yeah. And then uh, just the freelance stuff here and there. Doing, um, starting to do a little more gun stuff on the Varmadans. And, um, you know, of course, the archery stuff that I've always done. Yeah. 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 That's cool. I guess uh, the varmint thing's kind of a big thing for y'all up there, too. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, that's one of my hobbies that I, you know, again, you turn your hobbies into work. But um, (laughs) I've always been primarily a bow hunter. I mean, I don't, I don't big game hunt with, with firearms. Yeah. Very, very little. And, um, the, um, you know, if I hunt with a firearm, it's usually going to be a meat meat hunt deal. Yeah. But um, when it comes to guns, I do love shooting varmints. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. Well, we appreciate you hopping on the phone with us, and uh, best of luck for the rest of the year, Patrick. All righty. You too. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Pat likes some apple trees, man. He does, man. <laughs> I, I was sitting there envisioning all those apples on the ground and just shaking my head plums and apples like <laughs> did he plant a orchard out there or i something? think so I mean, man it's ridiculous he's like oh i was hunting an apple grove you know it's like a thousand years old and <laughs> olives uh, there was actually some olive trees that were planted from you know jerusalem or whatever and then the plum tree that i was shooting through what the plum tree like where did this come from i, I mean, know man that's crazy but it's cool that like whitetails are so neat and different in all places around the country man yep. and it's cool that like he has those experiences, and they're real. It's not like, you know, some type of, like, I don't know, fake little uh, niche or something like sure. that. Like, that's the way it's done up there, man. And it's neat to hear about and to kind of dream about because it's so different than what we're used to. But yeah, there's still whitetails, man. For sure, yeah. And, and you know, Pat's uh, not not a lot of guys do this, but he's a pretty big proponent of trail camera use on public lands. And, yeah. and at least to find bucks on public in one way or another. And, um, you know, like we said in the beginning of the podcast, Exodus has been a um, uh, big support for the, for getting this Big Buck Breakdown series back out to you guys this year again. So we, we like to thank them. And we'd also like to say um, thank you guys for all the reviews that you've given us. Don't forget that we did the giveaway in the last podcast. So if you haven't listened to it, go back, listen, see if you were a winner. And I'll tell you this, we had 298 reviews. So we did not give away the Exodus <laughs> Trek. Trail camera is going in the woods this week. I have yes. a feeling. So uh, thank you guys for allowing us to keep that trail camera as well. That's uh, that's on y'all, man. That's on y'all. Sorry. We're honest dudes, by the way, guys. Like we're not kidding. We were gonna give it away at 300. We didn't make it. So yep. maybe next time, whenever that is, just look forward to the possibility of a trail camera. Sure, sure away. thing. Yeah. So anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll be bringing these big buck breakdowns probably about weekly. So be looking for them on Tuesdays, and hopefully we can uh, we have enough big buck killer friends still that still want to be our friends <laughs> <laughs> to do these things so be looking for them thanks again god bless and remember this is your element living it i bet your friends are just like mine who like to gas up the trucks on a friday night and drive until they can't see anymore Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some meat eater 
Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close, you can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls because I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give him the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like him. I just have Yanni use his. Then I'll have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today.